Well, once again, thank you so much to all who have helped to participate in our worship service this morning. Um, we had a children's, uh, children's message response. Melody does our children's message, and some of our children have been sending in videos as their response. Um, so thank you for that, uh, for our special music this morning from Bob Eden, um, our liturgist, who was Alan Wenzel, um, Gary Brubaker, who's been putting our music videos together, and also for our praise team, who has led our music um, so many folks to be thankful for, um, and I appreciate you so much. So thank you. And to those who've been helping in our outdoor service, for our ushers and greeters, uh, for those who've been liturgists outdoors, uh, and for those who've been participating, uh, I'm so glad uh, and I'm so grateful for you. So thank you. This morning, we are starting a new series called Prophetic Imagination. Um, we're looking at how do we see the world as it is and yet imagine what it could be? How do the ancient prophets, especially the prophets of the Old Testament, speak into our modern world? What's our prophetic imagination? We'll start by lamenting and grieving. We'll talk about what the meaning of life is. And then we'll talk about what could be. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, at the beginning of every new year, we all have hopes and dreams, plans for what the year is to come. New year, new me. And 2020 came in that way, right? For many, the previous year had been difficult and we were ready for a new year. And so we had this, these ideas of what 2020 was going to be like and where we would be and how we would be and how amazing it would be. Uh, maybe there were vacations that you had planned that you were so looking forward to or those trips to the gym that you were just like, yeah, I can't wait to work out. Um, maybe just some annual events that happen every year and you're just ready for those to happen. And then, well, and then 2020 happened. And 2020 is happening. Now, it's not quite what we imagined, is it? I think that's been the common theme as I've talked with everyone uh, on the phone or in person that, gosh, I never saw this. I never imagined something like this. I never imagined something like this would happen in my lifetime or ever. This isn't something that we imagined or saw coming. COVID became a worldwide threat with many countries shutting down and now some returning to some kind of normalcy. normalcy. COVID caused shutdowns across the United States with states offering different plans of action, how to keep folks safe and healthy. We have not been worshiping together in the sanctuary since March. Can you believe that? Millions of jobs have been lost, including many small and even large businesses closing permanently. Protests became larger following the deaths of several black men and women killed by police, including George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Jacob Blake. Situations also turned violent in some areas, or some areas had threats of violence. 
we have a presidential election this year. I'm not sure if anybody's aware of that, um, but we have a presidential election this year, which has probably increased our political division in this country, or perhaps it's just given that division a, a different or a new or a bigger platform. We had a land hurricane in Iowa, and some parts of our area also had some damage from that as well. There was the hurricane in New Orleans, in Louisiana just recently. Murder hornets were a thing for a while. Do you remember murder hornets? I mean, gosh, I could probably go on, right? It feels like uh, 2020 has been like, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Now, I could probably go on and on and on and even um, have forgotten some of the things that have happened already. And it's only September. But a preaching mentor of mine often reminds me and others who are preaching that when you're preaching, that you always have to find the grace. And sometimes I'm wondering, in this year, where is the grace? And sometimes it's hard to find. But just because it's hard to find doesn't mean it's not there. There's been a lot of loss this year. 187,000 deaths in the U.S. alone from COVID. 870,000 worldwide. Maybe some of you have experienced the loss of a job or loss of employment. Maybe it was temporary or maybe it's not. The loss of a relationship. The cases of uh, COVID divorces has gone up as folks are discovering who they want to be sheltered with or who not. Or those problems that have been had just seem amplified. A friend of mine works in child services and the number of child neglect and abuse cases have gone up. There's been losses, losses of relationships or, or maybe losses of a thing. Maybe you've lost something like an item. Maybe you lost an event that you were looking forward to or a season. You didn't get to perform in the high school musical or the football season has been postponed, or maybe that vacation that you'd been saving up and planning for didn't get to happen. Or maybe it was the loss of safety or security. Maybe your doctor has encouraged you to stay sheltered or your family has. Maybe you just feel like if you walk outside, it'll be terrible. Maybe you just don't feel safe or secure We've lost a lot this year. And this year, the losses feel heavier than normal. Whatever loss you have or had, well, loss leads to grief. And we all have these griefs that we carry. And the truth is, our grief never really goes away. Sometimes it gets easier to carry, and sometimes it doesn't. This year, there's been loss after loss. And some things may seem small, but they add up. 
and it may just feel like waves, like waves coming over you. Maybe feeling like you have a hard time just catching your breath. Or maybe, maybe you feel like you just get steady enough and you're able to breathe and then the next wave comes. Is that how you felt this season? It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge that it's been tough and it's been hard. Even when the things lost may seem small. I don't think it's helpful to compare. You know, it's easy to say, oh, someone else has it harder. Well, that may be true, but that doesn't mean that your loss is insignificant and it's not a big deal for you. Your loss is your loss and it leads to grief. There's a practice of many faithful people. It's a, a faithful practice, uh, a Christian practice and tradition. Well, not just Christian. It's a religious practice and tradition called lamenting. Um, there's lots of lamenting done throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, there are these stories of pain and lament. I mean, we read from the book of Lamentations this morning, which is full of lamenting. Psalms are a good place to find lament. So what is a lament and what is this practice? Well, think about a lament sort of like a eulogy or a piece of writing expressing disappointments or anger or sadness. Within a lament, there's usually a part of feeling abandoned by God or begging God to return and to show mercy. And throughout the laments, there are always reminders that even though it may feel like it, God has never abandoned God's people and God will continue to redeem. Sometimes, though, we reject that. And God gives us the free will to choose that. Lament expresses that something is wrong, either with yourself or with the world. And it's an important part of faith to grieve the loss of something. I mean, resurrection only happens when there's death. But death is painful. And it's okay to lament. Sometimes in saying some of the things that we're thinking out loud, we may realize what it sounds like or, or it gives voice or it gives name to what we're experiencing and feeling. Sometimes it just gets it out of our own head and leads to healing. I believe strongly in the power of prayer and I have seen how prayer works. And I also know that our prayers don't always get answered in the ways that we want them to. Prayer isn't about a submitting a list of demands. It's about a conversation with God. And there is nothing off limits in that conversation, including our laments. So the book of Lamentations, the book is attributed to Jeremiah, who is sometimes called the weeping prophet. We'll read from Jeremiah a little bit later in this series also. Lamentations was written about the fall of Jerusalem in about uh, 587 BC. And it was a way for the survivors of that fall to express their grief and their horror over what happened. 
And yet also in the midst of their grief, there's also a confession of where they may have seen their own actions helping or leading up to this. But regardless of the grief and the confession piece of this, it is a book that is deeply rooted in hope. The central theme being that God's mercy doesn't end and that God's will is not for the suffering of humans and to continue to hope for God's mercy. Oh, you know, I say a lot, and I'll probably say it again, even about the book of Lamentations. I wish the Bible didn't speak to modern situations, right? It's just an old book. Oh, Lamentations. It's a book that has five chapters. Now, here's some, here's some things that are interesting about the book. Um, the book is five chapters, and each chapter um, is sort of a poem that has an acrostic. An acrostic is when each line begins with a, with a letter of the alphabet. In this case, it would be the Hebrew alphabet. So if you go back and you read it in English and you're like, mm, it's not, this is the Hebrew alphabet, remember that. So each line begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet through the end of the alphabet, so A through Z. And the first chapter, um, chapter one, starts with this acrostic, and it goes from beginning to end, from A to the end, um, 22 verses, 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, all in order. And so there is a, um, a symbolism of completeness in that. And then we move to chapter two, and chapter two is an acrostic poem also, but the letters aren't in order. There's a reversal that happens in there. And that symbolizes chaos and a reversal, that things are broken and not what you expect. Then in chapter three, there are 66 verses in chapter three, and they're triples of the acrostic. So it's like AAA, BBB, CCC, and so on through the full chapter. Also with that reversal still happening in there. And in chapter four, there are 22 verses, and there it's an acrostic also with the reversal, um, with two thoughts in each verse, or like a double or a doublet. And then in chapter 5, there are 22 verses, and there's no acrostic. And you're probably like, I don't know what this means. Why is this important? Okay, here's why it's important. Um, because what it tells us is not only do the words within the book, which are amazing and beautiful, not only does that tell the story, but the actual structure of how the book is written tells the story as much as the book itself. And Lamentations is written like a cycle of tears or mourning or like a cycle of grief. It starts at the beginning when everything is great and good, and then it moves into chaos. As the acrostic pattern collapses, there's a sense of loss of order or loss of control. And chapter three is the peak of this. It's the most intense expression of grief or mourning. I mean, think about when your most intense expressions of grief or mourning have happened. I mean, I call that a lot the ugly cry or the cry that you just can't catch your breath. 
And that's what this feels like in this chapter with so many verses and so many things coming at the same time. A, 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 B, 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 C, 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 C. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Like that, that heaving and that crying? That's chapter three. And then in chapter four and five, things start to calm down until chapter five, there's quiet. The writer of this book tells this story incredibly beautiful, both in what has been written and also how it has been written. Oh, goodness, there is so much about the Bible that we are still learning and exploring, and I love it. <laughs> I love the Bible so much, especially some of these passages like or these books that we don't always read and sometimes may even forget that they're a part of our tradition. And here we are. Lament. In chapter one, it says, look and see. See if there is any sorrow like my sorrow. And don't we feel like that when we're grieving? No one has ever felt this way before. Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow. When we lament, we lament the loss of what we've experienced, no matter how big or how small. The truth is no loss is small in our hearts. We grieve and lament that loss. And in that lament, there may be that acknowledgement that we're upset with God. Anger, disappointment, confusion, we get to bring all that we have and all that we are to God. There's no need to hide what we feel because God knows. Acknowledge your anger with God and lament. Let God know what you're thinking and feeling. But lament is also holding on for and hoping for something better and holding on to hope for a better day. God's plan doesn't include suffering of anyone. And God is continuing to work and create in this world. And God uses what God has available. And we can find the silver lining in the clouds and make sense out of our suffering with hope. Sometimes it's really easy to live in the anger because that's what we know or that's how we feel because we just feel so broken and hurt. We don't want to let God off the hook for what we've experienced and lamentations. For these things, I weep. My tears, my eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me, one to revive my courage. I miss things. I miss you. I miss the way things used to be. I have said several times throughout this season, not just this summer, I miss this. What do you miss? Earlier this summer, I was lamenting to Stephen uh, some of the things that I miss. And that day in particular, I was really missing county fairs. Some of the pictures of memories um, in years past had shown up in my, uh, my memories and my Facebook and my time hop. And, and while I know it was the right decision to cancel for this year, I'm still sad. I missed corn dogs and lemon shakeups. 
and whole hog pork sandwiches and elephant ears. I miss seeing people's creations and photographs and petting goats and listening to cows. And I missed the sounds of the grandstands. I missed running into people and seeing what they had seen or heard. I miss it. And so I was telling Stephen this, and that weekend, he found that the Wisconsin State Fair was holding a fair food drive through that you could drive through the state fairgrounds and pick up food from some of the fair vendors. So we drove up to Milwaukee and drove around picking up corn dogs and cotton candy and cheese curds. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. <laughs> now, it didn't take away the sadness completely. It was something new. It wasn't a county fair, and I still missed some of the things that we didn't get to do, but it was something fun. And it was a little taste of hope that things won't always be this way. At the end of Lamentations, Lamentations 5:19, it says, But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures through all generations. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Shauna Nyquist, who is an author and a speaker, she wrote uh, this week about hope. Um, and she posted this on her Facebook. And she said, here's what I know. Little things are not little things right now. Today, our friend gave us a loaf of still warm sourdough, and I didn't actually cry, but very almost. Because pandemic and decisions about school and continued violence in the headlines and anxiety about our political climate and settling in again after a big transition, after a couple years of really big transitions, one after another. So many of us are fighting to stay afloat exhausted by the months, beaten up a little bit by the challenges of this season, hoping for a respite, even as we sense there's no clear and pretty end in sight. This is hard. And it helps sometimes to say that. And it's not a competition. It can be hard for all of us in different ways. No matter what we think other people have that we don't, it's just Hard. Here's another thing I know. One of the things that will get us through this is kindness. A loaf of bread, a text, a socially distanced moment of connection, a walk together, a phone call, a pint of berries left on a porch, a care package shipped to a faraway friend. My friend's kindness nourished me when I didn't even realize how starved I was. And it's inspired me to offer kindness in my own ways this week. We need it so badly right now, all of us. We need it, don't we? It's one thing to say we believe in hope. It's another thing to live like we have hope to live like we have a future, to live like there is more. Even though things may seem hopeless, hope is 
never gone. Hope is everywhere. In corn dogs, in elephant ears, in sourdough bread, in the big things, and in the little things. We can do hard things. Hold on to hope even when the waves seem to pull you down. Be hope even when it's hard. Live hope. Don't lose heart. Find hope. Because it's all around. Just waiting for you to see it. Amen.